thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, this is Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread, episode 28 in the Gospel of Mark. Well, I hope you're having a wonderful day uh, for me. This is a busy week, as always, uh, but this is our last week of Media Light, and Media Light is our training program here in northern Thailand. It goes for 10 weeks, and we focus on a student's overall development and growth, uh, spirituality and leadership, personal life management, uh, our big uh, topics for us. We have some extended times of prayer and fasting as a group and uh, really try to pull ourselves, pull ourselves together uh, in our spiritual side while we learn professional media. So we have studied in the last nine weeks um, video production and now, now we're on radio and we had uh, blogging, uh, teaching. So, uh, you know, there's been a whole lot of uh, good skills uh, given to these students, we have students from five nations, and we're about to graduate them. We're really excited about what they're going to accomplish. Uh, we have a second intake that's coming up, so if anybody out there is interested, uh, you could just drop me an email, uh, chuck at quinley.com, and I could send you some more information. All right, well, if you don't have your Bible, go get one, and we're going to come right back in Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Mark chapter 9, verse 1, the kingdom is present with power. Jesus says to the disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. Um, It's an important uh, teaching because Christianity is not a religion that ends with and they all lived happily ever after as though we're talking about a fairy tale. The central teaching of Jesus was the kingdom of God and that the kingdom of God is present on earth. When he came, he smuggled it in and that the kingdom is here, but that this is not the kingdom. There's no church that is the kingdom of God. You know, the church is a a collection of sinful people who are trying to get away from that and enter the kingdom of God. And we have miracles in the church and we have uh, healings in the church and we have lives transformed in the church. But even for all the wonderful things that take place in the church and God uses the church all over the world, uh, the church is not the kingdom of God. The church is far from the kingdom of God. I heard somebody uh, compare it once to Sort of like if you're, if you're in a farming community and you go to the county fair, uh, you might find an area there where they have a, a seed patch and it's not a full crop. It's just to give you an example, if you were to use this seed under the right conditions, this is what you would get. And I think that's what the kingdom of God uh, does in the church. We get the sense in the church that this is a practice game. And this is the uh, the place where we can see if the kingdom was totally here and if we were all in the kingdom and opened our heart and would live the way the kingdom is and release that power, these are the kind of things we could see all the time. Uh, but Jesus is about to reveal to them uh, the reality of the kingdom because it's not just 
uh, a kingdom of miracles within this fallen world. There's coming a day when the world orders will be overthrown and reversed, and the kingdom of God that is right now already here but not yet here uh, completely. There's coming a day that that kingdom will be here completely and will be a physical kingdom. Uh, it will be tangible. It will be real. Uh, we won't be talking about it, and as Paul said, seeing through a glass darkly, you know, like a really, really dirty windows trying to look inside, and you can see there's something in there. There's a day that we're going to be in the real kingdom, the physical, tangible, real kingdom. Christ will really rule on the earth. Uh, you know, the earth will be remade, and everything will go back, well, actually go ahead to the bigger plan that God had in the very beginning of the world as the kingdom rules and reigns forever and this world really becomes the paradise that God had in mind. Uh, until then, we get these glimmers of, it's like diamonds in the dust and there's you know all this uh, dust and every now and then the sun hits it and you go, oh, wait a minute, there's a diamond in there and you reach down and sure enough, because you know, we do have these amazing breakthrough moments. And then we're right back to the fallenness of the real world that we're stuck in until Jesus comes. But one day the kingdom of God will overwhelm the darkness completely. And this hope is the core of all Christian theology. And it is the basis for our prayer because Jesus taught us that prayer is a cry for the kingdom. And we cry out, kingdom of God, come. You know, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and it's the basis for all of our work. We're working not to establish the kingdom because it's not our kingdom to establish. It's God's kingdom. But the kingdom also uh, will not come without the, um, the efforts of God's people. So we do our work to extend that kingdom. We do that work. We do the work to, uh, speak the gospel out so people know about the kingdom and know that they have the, uh, open door for right now to enter the kingdom if they want to come in, and that's gospel work, and we're all to be engaged in gospel work wherever we, at, wherever we are at. Um, but here in this story, in a moment of time, the curtain is drawn back uh, in the mind of the disciples, in the, the experience that they're having. They didn't have a vision, and they didn't have a dream. They're standing there wide awake in the middle of the day, and the kingdom is revealed to them, the reality of these overlapping kingdoms that we're in this world, it's the way it is, we know how this world is, but invisibly in this world there is the kingdom of God. It is alive, it is active, and it is among us. And there's just a moment here, and it's like Christ just uh, draws back the curtain, allows them to see the kingdom, and, and, uh, and they have this experience. It says six days later after he says that, and, you, you know, you have to realize that this next passage is placed after that first verse because it's the fulfillment. That's why Mark uh, immediately wants to talk about this event that happened. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured. The Greek word is metamorphothe. Sorry, I'm trying to read it in Greek. Metamorphothe, uh, metamorphosis. He, his form changed. Right in front of them, verse 3 says, His clothes became so shiningly white, white like snow, white that no uh, launderer on earth could whiten them. You know, his clothes became reflective. He began to radiate um, his glory that's hidden in the normal days. 
And all of a sudden, uh, you know, they look and there, verse four, there's Elijah. He's there with them and there's Moses and they're there. They're real. They're tangible and they're standing there. You can see them. They're talking to Jesus. You know, he's not talking to the sky saying he's talking to Moses. They are there. These guys can see it. These men have appeared. They are they're there with him as he is shining in his glory. And they are speaking to him. And uh, this is recorded in other Gospels also. And they tell us that they were speaking with Christ about what he would soon face as he turns now toward Jerusalem and as he goes to become the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And, uh, you know, there's this moment when all of a sudden the disciples can see that the physical world is fluid. You know, here's Jesus, physical Jesus, the way they always see him, only now still physical, but glowing and different. And, you know, the material world is no longer a limit. And even time, you know, here's Elijah and uh, Moses. They lived thousands of years before. And uh, they're there. They're standing there. You know, time isn't a barrier. Death, both those, well, Elijah didn't die, but Moses died. And, you know, death has not is not a barrier anymore. The kingdom has broken through all these things. And it's an example because the kingdom will break through. It will break through in the resurrection of Christ, and the kingdom power will go all over the world. And then the kingdom power will ultimately be released uh, upon the earth at the second coming of Jesus when he returns and restores all things, and they become what they should have been all along. The kingdom power will be here. Uh, you know, Peter sees all this, James sees it, John sees it, and Peter, instead of just sitting there and soaking it up and absorbing it and or worshiping, he feels the need to get involved somehow, to be part of the, you know, have you ever seen, you know, when I was a kid, sometimes my parents are having this conversation with somebody really important, and um, I go step up next to them. I'm really not a part of their conversation, but I want to be. So I insert myself in the crowd. Well, here's you know, here's Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. And so Peter goes and joins their circle. And then he says on behalf of the group, Rabbi, verse 5, it's good for us to be here. Let's make you three, basically, shrines. We'll make a shrine for you, a shrine for Moses, and a shrine for Elijah. You know, and he's making them equals. Uh, and this is important to understand, too. You know, the disciples were not a bunch of um, easily duped, guys who followed a man who got him thinking he's God and they roamed around with this God idea in their mind. You know, the record, the clear record that the disciples wrote for themselves indicates, and it really would have probably read better in their day if that's how they wrote it, but they just wrote it as it was. They just told the truth and they said, we never saw him as God. You know, that, that never occurred to us. He's a miracle working man. And, you know, we watched him do a miracle, and then we watched him have to find a bathroom. He did a miracle. He needed to take a nap. You know, he's a man. We just related to him as this amazing man. And so here's Peter again, and he's going, you know, wow, Jesus, you are like Elijah and Moses. That's how, that's how big you are. Let's make three national shrines on this mountain, and everybody will always talk about Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And, you know, Jesus doesn't defend himself. That's what meekness does. Meekness says, I don't have to defend myself. It's not for me to promote myself. 
uh, or say the truth about myself all the time. The Father will do that. There's an unseen hand guiding my life, taking me where it, where I need to go in my life, and I'll take what glory God gives me. And so as Peter's in the middle of these words, and you know, verse 6 says he didn't know what he was saying. He was just so scared. Uh, verse 7, the Father speaks, and he corrects Peter. He says, this is my beloved Son. Hear him. And this is not another prophet. This is not another man. This is not someone that Moses is equal to or Elijah is equal to. No one is equal to him. He is my son. And God drills at home. Then suddenly the moment is gone. Everybody's gone. Elijah's gone. Moses is gone. The glory is gone. Everything is back to the way it has always been. They look around verse 8 and it's just Jesus and themselves. And they start coming down the mountain, verse 9, and he, he speaks to them very strongly, don't talk about this. Don't tell anyone about this until I have been risen from the dead. He always referred to himself as the Son of Man. Until the Son of Man is risen from the dead, then, uh, then you can talk about it. And verse 10 says, they, kept, they did keep it to themselves, but they talked, those three, uh, constantly thinking through, I don't know what that means, raised from the dead. They, you know, in their minds, they're headed now to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman Empire, probably overthrow the priests and the scribes too, because those guys are a mess and don't need to be in charge of the worship of Jehovah. Um, so they're pondering this. You know, they're going to town. They see that he's going to triumph. And later on, they'll argue over what government jobs they get. Uh, and Jesus is trying to set their expectations where they, where they need to be. They need to prepare themselves for what is coming. But they're pondering this, and he keeps talking about dying, and they keep, you know, they, they just filter it out. They can't understand it because in their mind, all the Messiah scriptures are about glory and triumph and victory and, you know, God's great Messiah winning, and that's the world. It's in their mind. And Jesus keeps saying, well, but first there's dying, there's rejection, there's, there's paying the price. And that's how it is to follow God in a fallen world. And when the kingdom comes, it doesn't come without resistance. The old kingdom of darkness resists the kingdom of God. And it'll resist it in your family. It'll resist it at work. It'll resist it in government, in education, in entertainment industry. You know, when the kingdom of God pushes, the kingdom of darkness pushes back. And, and the harder the kingdom of God pushes, the more, you know, violent it's going to get. And that, again, is the theme of the book. There's persecution coming to everybody who intends to follow God. And so they ask him, you know, now that they're pondering that question, it, it triggers another question that's in their mind. And they've been thinking about this theological question they've heard pharisees teach about it and scribes teach about it and they've been thinking about it and they say in verse 11 lord why do the scribes say elijah must come first and i'm always uh, impressed at common folk who ponder theological questions i had a guy one time putting in carpet uh, in a house i had in tennessee and um he looked up at me when he he found out what i was what i did and i was in ministry and he he asked me as he's pounding the carpet, he says, um, who's your favorite theologian? And, and so, you know, I, I kind of stumbled around, didn't expect the question. 
And he began to tell me his favorite theologians and the books that he reads. And, you know, when people take God's word seriously, he doesn't care if you're if you're a college uh, professor or if you run a gas station or if you're an accountant or if he doesn't care. If you're serious about the word, God will talk to you. And if you will seriously look into the scriptures, they'll speak to you. He will reveal his truth to you. And that's how God is. He loves everybody and he will bless everyone who reaches into his word and he will feed them. And so they've been puzzled by this, um, by this teaching. And so they ask him, Lord, why do they say Elijah has to come before Messiah comes? And Jesus says, well, it's actually, it's the truth. Uh, Elijah comes in the prophecies. Elijah is coming first and Elijah restores all things. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll say to them, and he already came. Elijah came, uh, that's John the Baptist, that was his role, and he restored all things. The scripture said John would come and turn the hearts of the fathers back to their families, and he would prepare a highway for the Lord so the people could go to the Lord and the Lord could come to the people. He would clear the clutter away, and he would make crooked things straight, and he would uh, re, you know rebuke the nation and get them to straighten up so that Messiah could... Enter and not have to deal with that kind of work, but Messiah's uh, stage could be set and he could step out onto that stage. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did with his entire life and ministry. And then when Messiah was here, he was taken away Um, and he was executed. And that was the end of his path before God. But he had done what he what he came to do. But then Jesus turns their hearts and he says, you know, actually, they're right about Elijah. But what they don't realize is that Elijah has already come. Verse 13. But back in verse 12, he says, there's another scripture, though, you need to think about. Have you ever noticed in scripture how in all the Son of Man scriptures, I want you to see the theme that the Son of Man is treated with contempt. He doesn't come in triumph, at least not right away. Both the success of Elijah at turning the nation, you know, getting the nation ready, and the suffering of the servant are scriptural. Both must be fulfilled for the kingdom of God to enter. And Elijah has come, and now it's time for me to fulfill, in other words, in other words, now it's time for me to fulfill the second part of this scripture. I have to go and be treated with contempt in the holy city. Um, you know, God's word has living power, and his word is always reaching out to reveal. And just as he revealed himself to these three men, these are fishermen. These are are common folk, and God has opened their eyes to see the truth of the kingdom of God and to let them be part of the establishment of the kingdom of God and the coming of the kingdom of God. And God is no respecter of persons. And just as he used Peter, James, and John, my brothers and sisters, he will use us. And just as he revealed his truth to Peter, James, and John, he let them be uh, witnesses of what he was doing that day in Christ as, as Jesus was transfigured in front of them. And the kingdom came and sparked in the world so we could see the reality of it. Just as he did it for those three men, he will do that in your life too. You can trust God that you're going to have these moments when all of a sudden it's going to be, you're going to find yourself in a miraculous place and things are going to happen in the supernatural realm and it's going to come down in the natural realm uh, I, I have a friend that uh, actually is the reason that I started this uh, thread podcast. Is a friend of mine. He he lives in China right now on a work assignment, 
And uh, it actually started with me thinking about doing devotions for him because he's cut off from from fellowship the way he's had it before. But, you know, he and I, when he was just a very, very new Christian, he and I were out in a wilderness area. Uh, we'd taken our families there for some rest. And uh, the mountain caught on fire. The farmers actually did it. Uh, and it, it, the fire spread. And it was just taking over all the hill. And we went up there in a tr- in a van and we saw it. It's coming down the hill. And uh, there are houses in the way. And we we prayed. And I remember praying in my heart, you know, Lord, let this be a sign uh, for my friend. Let him see the power of God and uh, let me see it too. So I pray. I mean, this is a mountain on fire. And so after we prayed, we thought, well, we need to run down and try to get some people to come up here and and help fight this. And I just prayed, you know, Lord, put this fire out. We went down, uh, got a bunch of guys. We returned like within five minutes. We're back on top of the hill again. And it's like a birthday candle that got blown out. There's nothing. And I don't mean there was one tree on fire. I mean, 360 degrees. You turn around, that mountain was on fire and it was moving. And uh, now all of it was gone. You couldn't even see red embers anywhere because God had answered that prayer. I'm out in the middle of rice fields and rice farmers and it's you know their life and uh, their world that was at risk. And God hears prayers out in the middle of a mountain. Uh, in a rice field, he will hear your prayers too. The kingdom is here. It is present. It has power for those who will enter that kingdom and confess that Jesus is Lord of the kingdom and that he is bringing God's ways to this world. And he will ultimately triumph and we will have a real kingdom of God on earth. Well, that's the end of today's lesson. Uh, hope that your faith is stimulated and that you will trust God and that you'll open your eyes to understand that even while we're in our normal day and you got to get gas in the car and you, you know, need to get to work on time and you're stuck in traffic, there are angels that you don't see. There is a spirit world around you that is not visible to you, but it's a real world. And one day that will be the world that we live in. It will become the visible and it will take over the kingdoms of this world. And we live that way already. We live in faith, believing it already, and we draw on the resources of that kingdom to live in this world, uh, even as we live and move among uh, our brothers and sisters and our friends. As we wait for the Lord to come and as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, if you'd like to write me directly, you can just email me at my home address, chuck at quinley.com, chuck at quinley.com. I'd love to hear from you. See you next time. On thread. Thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to emergenetwork.org.